Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. We're here eventually, but there you are. It's Wednesday, February the 15th. I'm Tony Haggerty, at a Haggerty 10 on a Twitter handle, which you all know by now. And I'm joined today by Sean Martin, at Sean Martin TCW. Now, apologies for the late start, but I was doing the latest big interview and the person could do it, only could do it at 10 o'clock today. So that's why. <laughs> can I just, can I just um, check it? Wasn't it Nicola Sturgeon? <laughs> it wasn't Nicola Sturgeon. Was she was rebooked at 11. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'll refer the right honourable gentleman to the answer I gave. It's not Nicola Sturgeon. Okay, <laughs> so I can uh, categorically state that it wasn't Nicola Sturgeon. But yeah, so welcome everybody. Later start, but hey, there you have it. We'll, we'll crack on. Now, as we always do, first things first, Sean latest offer and it's a belter of an offer look at this guys you can win two tickets for the celtic rangers cup final at hamden sunday february the 26th it's open to new subscribers existing subscribers what do you need to do well you fill in a forum that will drop in in your email box if you're an existing subscriber fill that and send it away you'll be in the draw new subscribers you subscribe cost you a pound for three months Unlimited access to everything that we do on the website. You'll get the form as well. Fill it in, send it back, and you'll be in the draw. And somebody's going to win. One lucky subscriber's going to win these two tickets, Sean. They are indeed, yep. And as I said yesterday, and I'll keep saying it just in case, check your spam folders if you're an existing subscriber. Um, if you still can't find it, email me or direct messages on Twitter, and we'll try our best to... Uh, to make sure you can get that entry form if you're an existing subscriber and you can't find it or if it's not been sent. And we also say thank you to our sponsors, Seneca. The Celtic Way Warning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. And as you all know by now, Seneca are the number one hair restoration and hair transplant people in Europe. So, and you can check out Seneca and more about Seneca via the links in the video in the description of this video. So thank you to Seneca. We appreciate it. Now, Sean, Celtic could be on their travels again, I believe. Yep. I, um, Tony, I'm going to link this with Ooh. a couple of the comments that I favourited because there was a few comments yeah. on the, the later start time. We've explained why it was from uh, from a big interview point of view. So it's obviously to get these more quality content on the website and all that kind of stuff. You weren't just lying in your bed just to clarify no, that. But... People have got other theories. They think you have a maybe the travel agents going to Japan yourself. <laughs> no, I can. Boys, uh... I use flying to Japan to host it. <laughs> Robert Gibson is Tony translating his Seneca sponsor blurb into Japanese. Hence the delay. They like you with nothing. This crowd, Tony. Yeah, they're, they're an unforgiving crowd, as they say. You know, but hey, I'm just thankful that I never played the Glasgow Empire back in the day, Sean. So, <laughs> uh, wonderful tales from the Glasgow Empire. Uh, crucifying people and acts that came on but there that's another thing ask your father or grandfather about that but no i'm not in japan as you can see i'm here but uh celtic could be heading to japan sean mm -hmm. to take on the likes of psg uh and a glamour kind of pre-season friendly tour if, if that comes about next summer i mean that's a esteemed company they'd be keeping then sean wouldn't they I mean, the reports are saying it's from Spinichi in, in Jap uh, Japan, but the reports are that it could be Paris Saint-Germain, Man City and Bayern Munich could be involved along with Celtic. So big European clubs <laughs> um, and 
to, to stress because there's a couple of comments here. No, it's not been confirmed. Uh, but this is this is a latest report from Japan that came out last night. So uh, no, it's not been confirmed, Michael. But it's it's been talked about. And I mean, Tony, I wrote about this in a newsletter. I think it was a newsletter anyway uh, about the kind of talk, the proposals, the whatever you want to put it. Uh, that Celtic were going to go to Japan in summer 2023. And I wrote about that way back in July. And my main point back then, is still my main point now, was that it makes far too much sense for the club. So they've got to figure out a way to do it. Yeah. But, scheduling, cool. but the scheduling has to be spot on. It's got to be spot on. You can't have, Tony, a 2006 episode. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. A, a friendly scheduled against Yokohama F Marinos after the start of the season and after they'd already gone to the USA on tour. You, just, you can't have that kind of no. thing anymore. I don't think for a minute the club the way it's run now would do that. And I don't think for a minute as post the Coggle would sign off on it. But you can't. You must schedule this right. I mean, back then they could beat three 0 in that friendly. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura was left saying he felt ashamed. Gordon Stratton said they could only trust about fourteen of his squad after it. Uh, they came back. They lost to Hearts. Then went to Stamford Bridge to play Chelsea. And then drew at Cali Thistle. Dropped having dropped points in their opening two of their opening four league games. So. You can't have that, and that all could have been avoided with better scheduling at the time. Yeah. So for me, it's a no-brainer. I said that in July. It's still a no-brainer with the, the the Japanese players that are here, and and the appeal that Celtic have got and have reinvigorated since the Nakamura days with the arrival of Ange Postecoglou and all the Japanese players, uh, and even O as well in the South Korean market to go to Asia, specifically go to Japan. It makes far too much sense not to do it, but it has to be at the right time. Of course, and I think I agree with everything that you've said there that it has to be scheduled properly. And I don't think the manager would put up with anything like what Gordon Strachan did back back then. Uh, I think these, this would all be planned, minutiae detail. It would all be uh, it would run like clockwork and it would be smooth. So, hi, Brian Roberts, hi guys. Hope the tour goes ahead. More revenue coming in only makes it stronger yet. And let's not give ourselves that's why they do these things. It's about revenue, yeah. isn't it? And bringing in uh, much needed uh, money to the coffers. So, yeah, completely agree, Sean. Yeah, of course. He, he, mm -hmm. I don't think Celtic would embark on a trip to the Far East if it wasn't copper-bottomed and everything was running like clockwork. So, But it's just, it's possibly exciting, as you say. It's not been confirmed. Might be confirmed, but it seems to be a kind of gift horse, doesn't it, Sean? Aye, I mean, it's, it's a no, it is genuinely a no-brainer. <laughs> It has to same same when they went to uh, they went to Sydney. Um, yeah. it, it had it kinda had to happen. It's too it's too big a it's too big an open goal not yeah. to put the ball in the net with it. Um and I think uh, I think again to go back to the scheduling thing, they're talking the reports are suggesting it could be early July, Tony, right? Early July. Um now because if you've read any of the newsletters or if you subscribe to the newsletters, even if it's just on a site you'll maybe have read it, but uh, last month now, I last month I wrote about the Asia Cup, Tony, yeah, and, and the impact you could have the kind of problem it might it might throw up selection wise for Celtic a year from now, so the end of January a year from then. Now because the Asia Cup get delayed until then, January the end of January twenty twenty four is is when it's reported to be, rather than taking place this summer like it was meant to, it means that Celtic can take the likes of Maida, Kyogo, Aaron Moy, O. Basically, any any of the squad who would otherwise have been potentially away on international duty, that so that's a big bonus of it being of there. Course. What I will say is they could or they probably will be without Cameron Carter-Vickers and Alistair Johnston because the the Concacaf Gold Cup is on. 
between June the 24th and July the 16th. So if it was early July that they were going to Japan, they wouldn't be able to go. I presume that they're called up, which you would imagine they will be. Um, so for me, the kind of schedule would look something like this, Tony, right? So the league ends May 27th. You hope Celtic are in the Scottish Cup final, which is June the 3rd. So then after that, they maybe get a break of, I don't know, three weeks, maybe. Back into training and then off to Japan in early July, if that's the first pre-season games, maybe a wee bit earlier if, if it's not the first pre-season games. The Gold Cup is June the 24th to July the 16th, so probably without the two players that I mentioned, Carter Vickers and Johnston. So maybe one or two friendlies when you when you return from Japan, depending how late in July the two sure. actually goes. And the first Premiership games uh, are on the weekend of August the 5th and 6th, so... I think that's doable. I think that is an unacceptable schedule if that's the way that it falls in. Of course it is. I mean, that, and that's... Have you planned it, Sean? Have you sent that away to Celtic and told them that? <laughs> Subcontracted. I do it, yeah, exactly, yeah. Correct. I would, uh, I would let them know your thoughts on that. But of course it's an acceptable way to do it and I'm sure that's been looked at as we speak. Gary Robert McMahon says, Alphaville's big in Japan should be the parkhead anthem for those who are aware of such 80s songs yes i know alpha bills big in japan but yeah i uh it's just another exciting thought sean that celtic mm-hmm. and the good message of celtic's been taken to uh far corners of the globe far reaches of the world so yeah and uh, they did it well in australia and there's no reason to suggest that if the japanese tour does come off then that they would uh that would be a success as well guys get your questions coming in in the comment section as well Myself and Sean will endeavour to answer any of your questions. John Hutchin, their shirt sales as well. Yeah, I mean, yep. there's all sorts of spinners from that, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Pete Mc G yeah. comes in and says he still remembers the anger he felt uh, after that game in 2006 that I'm talking about um, in Japan when Celtic came back to play Hearts and also, as I say, he's get beat. But it just see when you look back on that, Tony, and I also looked at it off of the, the piece in last July that I wrote when the, the whispers about this started happening. It just seems so ludicrous that it was ever signed off on. And yeah. I know there's money, there's there, there's money to be made of marketing the Nakamura was there, all that kind of stuff. But to start the season after a tour to America, then go to Japan, then come back, play a league game, and then go to Stanford Bridge and then come back and play another league game. It's just it's just ludicrous when you think about it. It just seems haphazard, doesn't it? No. But, uh, back to front we are doing stuff, but you know, Celtic did suffer because they did drop points in the league and stuff like that. So you know, you can look into that whatever way you will, but I, mm-hmm. I just don't think Andrew would put up with anything like that, I've got to be honest. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think that the football's got to come first. I think, to yeah. be honest, with the way that the club's run now, as I say, I think, um, I don't think they would even consider that kind of plan. I think no. as that, 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 was a, that, that was an older time. That was a... I, I don't think that would happen. I, not only because I'm close to the club, but I just think the club are a wee bit too, too plus, clued up on that now to do it. But. Plus, also, if you're a... If you're gearing a team up, but also hopefully to be in Champions League group stage football, it's all part. Mm-hmm. It's all about the football, isn't it? It's all mm-hmm. about building momentum to hit the domestic season running, and then once you play in Europe, you play against that caliber of opposition. Now, I know it would be pre-season friendlies, but you might come up against some of those players again. So mm-hmm. there's no harm in getting a look at them, is there? First glance and and yeah. jousting with them. Exactly, I I mean, you can only read, read so far into a pre-season thing, but at the same time, the way that Ange Postecoglou was speaking last pre-season, whether it was Vine or Victoria or Rapid Vienna or Blackburn or Norwich, it was more about 
those we had your synthesis that we were talking about at the time, yeah. but just getting them geared up to an actual competitive game yeah. um, rather than just working through fitness alone, that kind of thing. Um, Dalhart, uh, Dahalo saying, fair play to the marketing team, but I'd rather be thinking of the Champions League. I suppose I could say playing devil's advocate, why not think on both? But I think they are thinking of the Champions League because you yeah. look at the calibre of opposition. You could conceivably draw those clubs in the group stage, couldn't you? And as I said there, you have a wee glance at them and see the players and, you know, and I know, as I say, you don't know the competitiveness of pre-season feelings of what they would be like, but you would get some kind of idea as to how players perform and function if you were to draw the same teams in your group. So I'm all for that. I, I think that's a wise move by Celtic to put themselves in that frame to go on that tour and play that calibre of club. Mm-hmm. Bye. Um, Michael Duffin coming in saying totally agree Tony and Sean Greg coming in just asking when did we play a game in Japan before a Hearts fixture 2006-2007 the very start of the season yep Um, I think think they beat Kilmarnock 4-1 or 5-1 in the opening game then went to Japan to play Yokohama F Marinos and then come back and get beat off Hearts and then as I say went to Stamford Bridge um, and uh, drew with Chelsea I think drew with Chelsea and then come back up um, beat St Mirren at home and then went and drew away to Cali Thistle so they dropped points in four their opening two games with these random friendlies penciled in in between them all Yeah and I also think it would help push the Japanese contingent in the squad going mm-hmm. home seeing their family stuff like that they, these things cannot be underestimated for what it does for club morale as well and you know those players have flown a, a long way across the world to set up uh, a base, permanent base in Glasgow so to go back over there neck of the woods and let them see family and stuff like that I think I think it would be beneficial to everybody around it's a win-win for oh, me I, 100, 100% I think it's I called it at the time when I wrote that piece of triple threat and it is and I keep saying it's a no-brainer because you've got the natural kind of appeal the things you're talking about there the Japanese players who will be able to basically go back to their home nation the Celtic players it's not just that. It's not even just that Ange Postecoglou would be going back to one of the scenes of his is one of his greatest successes. It's doing both of those things, but having every one of them decked out in Celtic colours, reminiscent of Shinsuke Nakamura going there and making yeah. it all prime time. Yeah, of course, correct. And I, you know, and and also you you see at the end of the day, it is about financial spin-offs for Celtic, and you have to think out the box in terms of bringing money into your club. And it is, as you say, it's the ultimate no-brainer for Celtic to, to go to Japan, considering the players that have come from the J League and Ange Postacoglu's time spent managing Yokohama F Marinos. So I, I w- I'm firmly behind it if they do it. Uh, um, to see if it gets signed off. Yeah, Rebel comes in saying the Japanese guys would love a tour home, uh, as most people would. Looks an awesome part of the world to visit, and then it's June mid-season in the J League, Tony. Um, it would, it would be. And they've not really confirmed if there's J1 League teams involved, but you would kind of hope that there would be, just like Sydney, the Sydney Super Cup. It kind of makes sense to have home teams playing a part in this. Yeah, I mean, uh, it would seem the natural one, wouldn't it, to have Yokohama involved? Mm-hmm. And someone put in the comments that Yokohama holds, what, 70,000 seats? Mm. Uh, so that that would be, that'd be an excellent venue to, to play a J League team, wouldn't it? So Yokohama would be the obvious one, so... We'll see how it uh, pans out. But yeah, something to look forward to in the summer should Celtic uh, decide to do that, Sean. Go on tour to the to the Far East. As you say, you've written about it. 
seems a no-brainer for the two of us for the reasons we've outlined. Now, guys, any questions that you want answered, throw them up in the comment section. Um, John, I was going to say, John Hutchison asked, how do you ask a question? You've asked it. You just put it in the same way as you asked that, um, and we'll we'll try and answer it. Um, I, Tony, so, I mean, <laughs> there's a couple of comments saying they'll not just go to Japan, they'll go to Korea at some point as well. They very well might. Probably, yeah. That would, uh, depends how long the manager sticks around for, doesn't it, in terms yeah. of where they want to take it next. But, yeah, he's always... Yeah. Richard on a scouting mission, always thinking. Um, I'd agree with that. I think you've, you've saw that in the transfer market the last four windows, especially the last three. Yeah, correct. Indeed. Now, Sean, on the website today, what have we got on the website today? Uh, on the website today, we have two things. We've got James Daly's uh, latest column, which is, you know, James is a, a data guy. He's looked at the trends since the World Cup compared to before the World Cup and he's identified that there is one where Celtic are actually trending downwards in the league despite the fact that they've won nine and drawn one since. Okay. And in a way, despite the fact it's a downward trend, it actually speaks to Celtic's domestic dominance because basically it kind of reinforces that people are scared to, to try and score against Celtic because it might leave oh. the door unlocked. It's basically where it is, but James... Kind of explains it and the, the advanced stats and, and backs it up with what it actually is in the in the data and stuff. So that's up there. Um, I'll put the link into that. And there's also the latest newsletter, Tony, which was another one of yours. Uh, yes. Speaking about a certain Cameron Carter Vickers, and I've said that in the headline, I've said it's the two kind of factors that, that combined to save his international dream, and, and the, those two factors naturally being, despite the the perception, all those loan spells combined yeah. with his seventh and final loan spell being at a club like Celtic and embracing it in the way that it has. And to help you explain that, uh, you spoke to Alan Stubbs? Yes, spoke to Alan Stubbs last week and he, I asked him a myriad of questions and he he then gave me that, which I thought was uh, decent enough to write an article on that alone because mm -hmm. I found it interesting that he said that the, the six, now seven loan spells, well, the six in general, or the making of Cameron Carter Vickers, which I hadn't really thought about. And uh, and then he said that within, within a year, he's won his place back in international recall, and he talks about that. So, yeah, there's a link to that. See, Alan's always a good guy. He's, he's been in that movie before, and he's walked in those shoes and pulled on that jersey as a Celtic defender. So when these guys speak, you tend to listen, and they're always good value, Sean, on, on these kind of uh, issues. <laughs> Uh, no, they definitely are. I'm laughing because uh, Rebel comes back in saying Tony planning another tour yeah. <laughs> after your uh, your joint to Sydney. Yes, indeed. We'll see. We'll see how that one goes. It would be good to go, I suppose. But yeah, we'll we'll hang fire on that. Wait till it confirmed first, and then we'll we'll take it from there. See if the Celtic way will be in the far east instead of the Glasgow's east end, Sean. You know. Yeah, so. I, uh, Derek Crawford with a question. He says, Tony, when's the big interview you done this morning going up? Never heard you say when. Let him write it first. Let him transcribe it. And, <laughs> and we'll see. But it, it will be a good, you know, I'll say that much. It will be a good one. Indeed. I mean, they all are. They all are, Tony. Don't, don't get me wrong. They all are. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to get the person talking. And yeah, he's, uh, he's a good talker. So I'll leave it hanging there in suspense. But we'll put it up in the fullness of time. Once Sean says, I, I've transcribed it. But there you go. I've got one for you, Tony. We we debated doing a newsletter on this last week, but we felt as if it had been touched on it a lot last year, um, and in the and just in general. Uh, Antonios comes in saying 
regarding the speculation about Celtic to either the English Premier League or mm. the European Super League, um, would this be a good move for the club, especially considering the, the accompany, accompanied increase in income? How, how long have we been speaking about a European Super League? Mm-hmm. How, how long have we been speaking about that? And it's it's not come to fruition. What What's the chances of it coming to fruition now? I have to say, I just, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I know certain teams are, are pushing for this, and fair enough. But I just, I just can't see it happening, Sean. I really don't. No, neither can I. I mean, even with the expanded one, uh, that the, they're talking about the new proposals where it's on merit, and you're like, well, well, I, why, why would it not be on merit? That's how every league works in, in football. It should work, but um, despite the fact that the Champions League is becoming more of a closed shop, it still ultimately is on the merit um, of where you finish in the league. But I, to me, I mean, for better or worse, Celtic are a Scottish club. So as long as the, the national leagues exist, I don't see a European Super League really being the, the avenue to go down, much less the English Premier League, even less so the English Premier League, actually. You saw the hostility towards that particular league, didn't you? And I think it would reach the same kind of levels of hostility if you try and carve it up again, just calling it a different name, you know. And I, I just feel that, you know, you know me, I'm a, I'm a hopeless football romantic and I'm like you. The, as long as the national leagues and national associations remain in situ, then you're going to find it hard to railroad a, a European Super League through. But uh, and I think if you're going to have a European Super League, then you have to have a representation from the leagues Mm-hmm. And associations that have a gold star above them, Sean, for a start. <laughs> well, I'm trying to find, you can see me kind of here, I'm trying to find uh, a Kevin McKenna mm. article to post in for you because I, I can't find it just now, but it was last year on the site um, where he kind of used his, his weekly column to discuss not so much a European Super League, but just a similar type of, um, a similar type of a, a notion to this comment here. Uh, from Joe Hamilton, where he says big money would destroy Celtic. We are who we are. Basically, kept the main thrust of Kevin's uh, Kevin's article. If I can find it, I'll definitely put it in the comments. Was that that he would rather Celtic never became a plaything of whether it's Qataris, whether it's Saudis, etc. Um, and I'll, I'll try and find it. I'll try and find it, uh, Tony. But there's plenty of. Uh, I mean, there might well be fans out there that, that would like that. Um, Kevin's not one of them. You're not one of them as a fan or a journalist. I'm not one of them as a fan or a journalist. So, yeah, I think Celtic got a history for a reason. Not manufactured. It's not mm-hmm. been bought, has it? So, no. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of traditionalists like myself would wouldn't want that. As Joe Hamilton says, big money. And tonight, we've been there, done that, and failed to get a t-shirt. Not interested in any of that. It's all about money, not football. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. For Celtic, it's always been about the football, hasn't it? We've not really been tainted by huge money or huge investment coming into the club. So, and I think uh, I think the Celtic supporters wouldn't uh, wouldn't want that at all. Mm-hmm. The commenter that said we are who we are, I, I totally agree with that as well. Have you got any space for this kind of notion, Tony? Blind ass about getting left behind would actually be worse than joining, would it? I would ask, would it? We getting left behind where? Tell me what's happening. Then if you've got a crystal ball Celtic, I'm getting left behind at all. And I think one of the one of the kind of caveats of Peter Lowell's re emergence 
was that Peter Law was always in the corridors of power in UEFA, a big voice. Mm -hmm. So I don't think anything would happen without Peter Law being actively involved in those discussions. And I've always said that I think that's where Peter Law could do some good use for Celtic, do some service mm -hmm. and uh, be an active voice in it. And I don't think Peter Law would do anything that would be detrimental to Celtic Football Club in terms of the corridors of power within UEFA. That's why he's, I think that role in particular, I think he could come into his own and Celtic has still having that voice and say in what's going on. You need that. And uh, and he has been there and in those kind of uh, positions for a long time and been Celtic's representative at those top tables. Mm -hmm. So I... Uh, I still think he's got a valuable role to play there. And I don't think Celtic would be left behind in anything. Eh, assuming they would join anything. You know, so I uh, I think we've got a, a powerful man at that top table and a and powerful representation. Eh, that's I, what I think Peter Law offers. I don't want to get into a debate about other things about Peter Law and people's personal feelings towards him. I'm just talking specifically on UFR and European football and the voice that Celtic have eh, at that table. And I think they still need one. I can see your point. I think that is a massive, massive takeaway of Peter Lowell being back in. I'm going to put this up by Jerry, which is a, a fundamental issue. Um, if it were to come to pass, the away games would be awesome, but it would cost a fortune. And he's right, the, because I don't think for a minute that fans are in the uppermost of the no. people running this is thoughts, so he's, he's correct, Tony. I think you have to consider that everybody's mortgage and gas and electricity bills are going up. So how would you, how would you finance that? How away games? I mean, you, the ordinary working Celtic fan and man or woman could not afford that, could they? Let's be honest, mm -hmm. because the the prices would be astronomical, wouldn't it? We add it onto your your season ticket. And stuff like that on, on, a, on a base level alone I, I just think it, yeah I, that's a huge consideration because in terms of your bills and your mortgage going up you're, you're not earning that amount to cover it your, your, no, your wages no. aren't going up as you've seen you know you're a big fan of the real worker strike teacher strike and all that so what, what are they striking over the nurses mm -hmm. striking over getting more money mm -hmm. the bottom line so you're seeing all these things happening in society, but wages are not commensurate with mm -hmm. what's going on, I'm saying. So, another argument altogether, but part of it. Uh, Pete McGee comes in saying, as a lifelong fan of, of Celtic, 73 years, he's invested in the club and the Scottish game as a whole. He's not interested in a league comprised of super clubs owned by self absorbed billionaires and dodgy regimes, Tony. Does that encapsulate it for you? Without doubt. Except the 73 years part. <laughs> yeah, well, indeed. But good on you, Pete. Looking good for seventy-three, sir. Uh -huh. That's the case. Uh, yeah, of course it does. I, I just, I think you canvass any Celtic supporter. They just didn't. They just wouldn't want, uh, as you say, the earlier Qatari money coming in or, or that kind of uh, investment coming into the club. You know, uh, Celtic have earned that history. They've earned that gold star. It's not been purchased. It's not. I mean, you know, and I've always said Scottish football might be a raw product and, you know, you can talk about the lack of quality, but I tell you what, it's honest and it's pure. 
mm. and it hasn't really been tainted by anybody coming in and pouring their millions into a particular club so that they, they run away with everything and, and, and they're the best. There has to be the best in any any given league. Celtic are the biggest and the best because they have the most money. I get all that and they attract the bigger crowds, but it, it's still, I would say, competitive to an extent. Mm. Uh, Scottish football and uh, yeah, I, I just uh, I just think something in the club would die if you opened it up to Qatari money or any kind of, I'm saying Qatari money because that was, a, you know, any kind of multi-millionaire or sugar daddy, but I think he would just, I think he would kill off something that's beautiful and wonderful about Celtic Football Club if you did that uh, moving forward and people can say it's the future, it's this or that, is mm. it? I just, no, it's, it's, not, it's not what I envisage as the future for Celtic. A few comments to throw in. Brown Warrior saying Celtic already have a multi-billionaire chief shareholder, zero debt and over £30 million at the bank. Michael Ross saying Celtic already been left behind and Danny, much the same, already been left behind now, can no longer afford elite players in their prime. And Charlie McGarvey, I, I presume it's quite a sarcastic comment saying I we would all hate to be competitive in the Champions League again. I'm sure everyone would be boycotting Parkhead for a Champions League semi-final, which I think Tony is totally missing the point because there would presumably be no Champions League if a European Super League was to take hold. Yeah, that's 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 it, isn't it? So there would be all sorts of different competitions, wouldn't there? So and and Michael Ross saying competitive, are you joking? I I was talking about the league in general. I know Celtic have won it uh, the past few years, but I still think that on any given day there's a competitive element to Scottish football showing more than anywhere else in Europe, I would think. Just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Aye. No, it's, it's fair enough. And again, Charlie McGarvey coming back. And again, I think, sorry, Charlie, I think you're fundamentally just not getting it. But um, So no one wants to be in Europe because the games are away, presumably in response to the, uh, the potential ticket prices of a European Super League. It's nearly impossible to get a ticket for away games anyway, so the vast majority wouldn't be affected. I just disagree with that because a European Super League, every other week you'd be going away to Europe, but it's not three times. Um, potentially five if you play a couple of qualifiers it's totally different um, and as I say if there was some sort of fan scheme where it was a lot cheaper there was a maximum price but it doesn't sound as if it's going to be that um, no. it doesn't sound as if it would be because I don't think fans are up, uppermost in the thoughts of the people that want a European Super League is it? So no. to me again apologies I just don't think you're getting it with that it's nothing to do with the current Champions League it's nothing to do with the current European away games it would be this hypothetical European Super League where you're away every second week to a, a, a European game. It's not, as, it's not as affordable. Maybe you wouldn't be affected, but I'd imagine the vast majority of the Celtic fan base would be affected by that. Um, there was a line in Kevin's piece last week, uh, basically why Celtic are the biggest and best club, but don't forget why. It's because they're well run, because they didn't chase, because they didn't use kind of dodgy financial schemes to chase trophies, all that kind of stuff, which is why they are in the position they are today. But fundamentally... And you mentioned it, Tony. They're the biggest and best primarily in Scotland because they've got the biggest fan base. Yeah. And a lot still comes from ticket income, yeah. which is primarily from a working class community that follows Celtic. So, I mean, don't forget that is what I would say. That's the, that's the beating heart of Celtic, is it not? I think if you strip that away, then, you know, you're, I don't know. I, I, I personally think something would be killed off in terms of the 
the club there if he if he did that, and I, I just just something I wouldn't want to see. Scott McGill football. I mean, if, I mean, as much as I'm saying, I don't think Charlie's Charlie's getting it with that one. I know, I, I know Charlie comes across from from uh, Donegal. I think he said. Um, before, so he's got better experience of actually following Celtic from out with Scotland than I do. So basically, most games are away games to him, probably in that sense. But still, fundamentally, it was never. A, it's never been about the Champions League away games. It's not about normal away games. It would be a European Super League. You're away every other week. Um, so, aye. Marquee comes in and says, "You can't buy the history." We well, Derek Crawford says, you "Can't buy the history." We are going to keep it all. I said it earlier, didn't I? You can't. Celtic got history for a reason. You can't buy that. And Marky says it lost all its beauty when it became a cash industry. I kind of similar feelings to my own. Even the, the Champions League, which was... Uh, the European Cup was a wonderful tournament, but the Champions League was sacrificed. It became an aberration because it was just sacrificing the altar of cash. That's mm. not myself. I've written that. The first book I wrote, I, I said that. that It was as far removed from the original... A plan for the tournament with the you know so what if Bayern Munich drew Real Madrid in round one <laughs> the best went through you mm-hmm. know and knockout and I would love a return to those days but the men in suits sorted it out that you can still lose Champions League games and somehow advance to the final uh, you know through the group stages or whatever and to me I just think that goes against all the essence and the grain of a a cup mm-hmm. competition and I love the European Cup its old format and somehow I would love to go back to it but I just know that it's it's not possible because too many big teams are affected, too many money teams and the money men don't like that do they? And they run the game sadly. And that's why I said before you you cannot get a Cinderella story now like Celtic. Just it, you cannot it would be impossible. Celtic mm-hmm. to win the Champions League, it's been slanted so much against clubs like Celtic that uh, you can pick the winner of the Champions League every other year. Robert Gibson, I agree, Tony, knockout, no seedings was brilliant. Of course it was brilliant. It, it, it was an exciting tournament and you took your chance over two legs against whoever you drew. That was the bottom line and the two teams made it through to the final and, you know, a brilliant spectacle, but nah, you get a second and then they comprised the Europa League, where if you get knocked out of the Champions League, you still got that parachute into another tournament. I mean, yeah. to me, that's the essence of everything that's wrong in football, Sean. Once you get parked out of a tournament, you should stay out. You don't get any reprieve and you don't get in. And I know clubs like Celtic benefit from it in the Champions League if they exit the group stage and get the Europa League. But it's, uh, you know what, I still... It's, it's not Celtic that made those rules, but I would rather once you exited a tournament, that's it, it's over. But the you know the powers that be have deemed, or the money men have deemed that you you get second chances, and it's never sat well with me in terms of the football romantic. And we have a football traditionalist in me, mm-hmm. and it never will. And uh, yeah, there's some brown warrior rewarded for failure. There you go. Yeah, correct, brown warrior. That's uh, basically that's. Uh, what I'm trying to say, you know, and I just, uh, nah, it doesn't sit well with me, never will, but... Uh, okay, cool, comes in saying, love how romantic Tony is, so close to Valentine's Day, we established this yesterday, does he does believe in Valentine's Day? <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, I don't believe in the commercialisation of it, again, going back to money men and money people, another 
kind of thing about that. But yeah, and Michael Duffin saying it's all about the money. Of course it is. What well, I mean, yeah. but it has. You cannot deny that competitions like the Champions League and, and other things like the European Cup have been killed because of money. You know the yeah. English Premier League. You know so, which is why I love Scottish football. I always talk up Scottish football. You know, but what what it lacks in so-called quality, I just think it makes up for in depth of its heart, its endeavour, its honest produce. And I will never knock Scottish football because we're going to compare it to a league that's awash with riches. Ah, mm-hmm. behave yourself. You know, but give me, give me. Let, let's put it this way: Liverpool, Everton was on the other night, and Darvel Falkirk was also on the other night. Guess what game I watched, Sean? Darvel Falkirk, I'm presuming. Eh? Of course, yeah. No, no contest for me. So people can say what they like, but uh, I, I, I rarely watch the English Premier League now. Uh, so I, I, Darvel Falkirk was interesting enough spectacle and I would given a choice of an English Premier League game, Scottish Cup game or a Scottish game on either channel at the same time. Uh, Scottish game wins all the time for me. Hmm. Uh, Pete McGee coming back in saying the romance of watching Real Madrid score seven at Hamden is long gone but at least the Champions League ends up as a knockout competition after the group game speaking of Liverpool they scored seven at Ibrox this season did they not so strictly speaking they're still team scoring seven in Glasgow but um, no I get I get the point I get the point Um, I think we've we've spoken enough about the Super League and the Champions League I think just now but we've got another couple just before we wrap up Richard Taylor um, is this the best team ever in the SPL if you're including SPL, strictly speaking, you're including Martin O'Neill's team, so I'll say no. But if it's just SPFL, then you're really up against, what, Brendan Rodgers? Because um, I so, don't think we would put Ronnie Dyla's team up there. Um, but the Brendan Rodgers team. Are you talking about, obviously, best Celtic yeah, I'm team? I, I, well, I suppose best Celtic team would be best team in yeah. the SPFL anyway. Listen, I, I think you live for the moment and you just enjoy what you're watching. It's very hard to compare errors, isn't it? Because everyone will say, or people will say, oh, this is the poorest league, you know, the poor league when Ronnie Dyer But, you know, our league is what it is. Celtic, as someone said earlier, we are who we are. You can only win the league that you compete in. So, was I, I think Martin O'Neill's error, there was a particularly strong league, wasn't there? Yes, a uh, yeah. strong era of SPFL football. So, uh, yeah, you would maybe argue that that was, and you were watching a higher caliber of player. Get that, get all that argument. But I think you, as Celtic supporters, you live in the moment. So the Martin O'Neill era was great. Uh, Brendan Rogers era was great as well. Some wonderful results. And I'm just enjoying watching uh, Celtic mm-hmm. under Ange Postecoglou because they've gone in a different direction mm-hmm. and they're playing in a different way, in a different style. And I think all of those periods and eras are enjoyable for vastly different reasons. Uh, I, I mean, with the SPL thing, I was being flippant because SPL finished, obviously, SPFL yeah. only started in 2013-14. But, no, so from that, from that perspective, I, I think you're up, um, you're up against just this team versus Brendan Rodgers, one of, one of the Brent, iteration of Brendan Rodgers' teams. But, but I, I, like you, I think you, you can almost only do that once it's over anyway. Once that once a certain era is over, you can yeah, back, you can kind of try and compare and have a pub debate, all that kind of stuff. We are um, still Michael comes in saying it's better, it's a better style in his opinion. Um, and Rebel says Angie's team is right up there for me. And and I I uh, we we spoke about it 
last season that the the Premiership and League Cup double will stand out for a lot of people, uh, and it will be fondly remembered for that very reason because the the they weren't supposed to win the Premiership or the League Cup. Well, they were supposed to be a rebuilding season, but as Callum McGregor told me that day, they don't do rebuilding seasons at Celtic, you know. So and it's, and it was true. So I think that that's why it was celebrated the way it was because it was just this guy came in and it was just a breath of fresh air and they, they liked what they, they saw and they're still liking it and we're still in the midst of Angie's era so just enjoy it. That uh, kind of tied in with Eric Crawford's question which was is the current squad playing the most exciting and fast-paced football you have ever seen and that was to all the group and if I'd have any discussion about that in the comments I can see but kind of ties into that didn't it Tony? Um, Scott McGill, any update on Kyogo's scan yesterday? Uh, no, just that he had it, Tony. Yeah, and so again, I, I, I'd expect Friday before you hear anything about it. Just personally, just yeah, the manager will address it at the, the presser. I would have thought on yeah. on Friday or whenever he chooses to do his presser. So yeah, I would I fully expect to hear about that then as well. So the short answer, Scott's no, but you never know. Somebody might get a hold of him before that and put it up on whatever platform. Uh, Charlie coming in saying 100% Sean, this requires a pub discussion. See you in the social club on Saturday. Love a social club, Tony. Too few of them left. Too few of them left. I think think everything requires a pub discussion. (laughs) Yes, so let's all adjourn to the nearest social club. (laughs) Whatever that Uh, means. Just, I've just, I favourited this just to put it up earlier on. It was when I was putting up the articles and Michael Duffin says all the articles are great. That's very kind, Michael. Very very complimentary. We we try our best, as you can see every day. Even though we're round about 10-ish, today was 11. We we do try our best. We try and come up with, uh, or we try and stimulate debate and chat and discussion. And as I've said before, we don't take ourselves too seriously either. So, Hmm. yeah. Uh, TJ coming in, just one for the end. And finally... Did you watch the Celtic love tweets with the players? I did. Tony had watched it before, before yeah. the video yesterday, I think, but I hadn't. Uh, I watched it after I came off. I, I thought it was quite funny. A couple of them didn't really know what to take seriously and what not to take. <laughs> Joe Hart, I thought, I thought the tweet he read out about using head and shoulders and then next thing you know, you're tipping bars of soap around the post and stuff. I thought that was funny, but he, he read it out as if it was deadly serious. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, it's just the, the what. Celtic supporters humour at times, isn't it? But at least they entered into it in the spirit that it was meant. And, you know, I, I just laughing at. I, I think the the Japanese players were just like, my goodness, you know, there's <laughs> there's, there's hero worship and there's <laughs> Dyson Maeda in particular. It was just like people telling them that they loved them. <laughs> I just find it all very kind of hard to deal with, you know. But it's uh, the uh, the Cameron Carter figures one. Obviously, whatever one of the Celtic media team edited the video knew it was like could tell it was quite a creepy joke, so they, they zoomed into his face, as if it was a horror film, uh, but Cameron Carter Vickers, I don't think, really didn't know what it meant, no. I, live, I live in your walls, is exceptionally creepy, um, <laughs> but he's just like, it sounds positive, so I thank you. expression, <laughs> a club like no other, the fans are just passionate, and they care, and they, they love their heroes, and they just don't miss the opportunity to tell them, you know, and, and sometimes I guess for players that that can be quite overwhelming at times when these sort of things come through, and you know, and it, it, it was fun and it was great to see the reaction. But as you see, some some of the messages are just like, wow, you know, it's, it's uh, 
hero worship, you know. Scott McGill, good shout to him, love teacher, brilliant. Cal McBlossom, yeah, it's like it's it's uh, yeah, and I did like the Joe Hart one with his tipping bars or soap around the post. I, I just envisaged every Celtic supporter uh, doing that from now on in <laughs> when, they're, when they're in the shower. It was uh, you know, so it, but it's just it, it never ceases to amaze you the the kind of uh, mm-hmm. the mindset of the supporters and what they think. You know, so it's uh, uh, terrific. And it was great knockabout stuff, wasn't it? On on the most romantic day of the year, Sean allegedly. Certainly, allegedly, certainly was I. Um, I'm just going to throw this up before we wrap it up, and it's uh, Antonio's just saying might be missing something, but did it really take? days for Kyogo to get a scan other sports teams get scans done for injured players the night of the game and should says after the game it was going to be the next morning he was getting it but the report that came out yesterday was he, he was getting further scans further further tests which suggested he was getting reassessed that kind of thing rather than it took them that long yeah yeah right. I say, well, if we don't know before we'll certainly know on Friday bottom line because uh, <laughs> you will be asked so it's, it's uh, yeah I mean it's course everybody wants to know but listen in the fullness of time it'll all come out 45 minutes sean there's a first half of uh, our second half whatever way you want to great show again it's <laughs> now we'll be back to the normal time round about 10 as i say i was otherwise detained with a big interviewee so that'll make that apparent in the fullness of time as well but thanks for tuning in uh, at 11 later time but we, we won't make that a habit, that was just a, mm-hmm. a one-off. But uh, before we go, Sean, there's still time to take advantage of our latest offer because what a fabulous prize this is. And hopefully you'll see myself and Sean there. And if you do, please say hello and we'll thank you for your subscription. But we're giving away two tickets for the Celtic Rangers League Cup final Sunday, February 26th at Hamden. You could be on your way to Hamden. Uh, it's a, it's open to new and existing subscribers. Just look out for that entry form, drop it in your email inbox, fill in the form, send it back, you'll be in the jaw. And new subscribers cost you a pound for three months of full access to everything that's written on the website. And you'll also get the same form, fill that in, send it back, and you're in the jaw for the tickets. And one lucky subscriber is going to win these, Sean, and the entries close at midnight or 11.59. Yep. On the 22nd of February, the draw will be done on the 23rd. And you can be there at Hamden, courtesy of the Celtic Way. You've got to get involved in this, guys. You've got to send those forums back. And, uh, yeah, hopefully see you at the Cup final, uh, assuming that our requests get accepted. <laughs> of course, so I. Yes, indeed. And uh, we also say thank you to Seneca Celtic Way Morning Briefing, now sponsored by... Seneca Medical Group, and they are the number one in Europe for hair transplants and hair restoration treatments. And you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the descriptions in this video. So we say thank you to them. We appreciate it. Guys, thanks for that. It's always, uh, those one game weeks are always uh, trying to keep up something fresh every day and talk about Celtic. But we, we endeavour to try like a good laugh as well but you guys keep it going with your comments we always appreciate it i say it a lot but we've built up a wee wonderful community on this uh, celtic way morning briefing and we really enjoy it we hope it sets you up for the, the rest of the day a wee bit later today but hey there you go that's that's just uh, the nature of the journalistic 
uh, beast at times, Sean, where you have to fill, fit in with someone else's plans, and that's fine. I'm all, <laughs> all for that. But there you have it. Guys, thanks very much. Have a wonderful Wednesday. We'll see you all again to do it all again tomorrow. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, guys.